This week, Randy Alcorn joins us on the phone. He's the author of the new book, Happiness, and we are talking about happiness all week on the Ask Pastor John podcast. And Randy, uh, what is the relationship between spiritual joy and the joy of God honoring parties and feasts? Uh, How should we think about spiritual joys and the enjoyment of great food and friends? Well, it's amazing when you look at Scripture uh, and you see all these passages in the Old Testament about the parties, the feasts, and that's what feasts were. They were parties. They, they would involve uh, often, you know, sacrifices, but most of the time was spent eating and drinking and and basically having fun and taking time off. Um, you see in uh, Leviticus 23, uh, God says, You shall take on the first day the fruit of splendid trees, branches of palm trees, boughs of leafy trees, willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. I mean, this is a seven-day party of rejoicing uh, in God. And, and the, the Old Testament is full of God-ordained celebrations for the Israelites. Um, in fact, there were seven uh, different holidays built into Israel's calendar, and they added up to about 30 days per year. But wow. when you add the weekly Sabbaths, and uh, then you add uh, the the days of feasting and, and rest and later feasts of Purim and, and Hanukkah and, and, and weddings and birth celebrations and, and all of this kind of stuff, the amount of time taken off exceeded three months annually. And, and you look at Deuteronomy 14, this is a passage that I, I just was so struck with. Um, it, it, in verses 24 to 26 in the ESV, it says, If the way is too long for you, so that you are not able to carry the tithe, when the Lord your God blesses you, then you shall turn it into money, and bind up the money in your hand, and go to the place that the Lord your God chooses, and spend the money for whatever you desire, oxen, or sheep, or wine, or strong drink, whatever your appetite craves. And you shall eat there before the Lord your God and rejoice. And it, what strikes me, first of all, is the language. You talk about hedonism. I mean, this is a God-directed hedonism. Whatever your appetite craves, get the best whatever you want to eat and drink, wine, strong drink, and you shall eat there before the Lord your God and rejoice. And I love that it says, before the Lord your God. Happiness and joy are not things we're to experience behind God's back, as if that were possible, which of course it's not, but he calls upon them, we do it all before me, and I am, by implication, I'm going to be there with you. I'm going to enjoy it with you. Um, and so when you're partying, I'll be partying with you. And, and think about the rejoicing that takes place in the presence of the angels of God that Jesus speaks of twice uh, in Luke 15. Uh, and, uh, you know, who, who's in the presence of the angels? Well, God's in the presence of the angels. God's people are in the presence of the angels. And, of course, the angels themselves are there. But all heaven is throwing a party. All heaven is rejoicing over conversions on earth. And these are things that we are uh, to celebrate. In Second Chronicles 30, it talks about the people of Israel uh, kept the feast of unleavened bread for seven days with great gladness. And the words gladness and uh, the various Hebrew words, numbers of them are used in all of these uh, Old Testament celebrations. And you know, Tony, one of the things I really believe is that if people looked at the church 
less as a group of always critical, always complaining, always feeling persecuted, really a bunch of curmudgeons, which sometimes we can project that image to the world, no doubt, and include, we can also project it even to our children. Growing up in Christian homes, uh, they hear what mom and dad are saying and the critical spirit and the complaining and the ingratitude and all that sort of thing. But what if we, as believers, were known as the place of celebration and gladness, the place of of feasting and the new testament wasn't just old testament the new testament church the the lord's supper the love feast you know um you know now we've got the the cracker and the juice you know and and uh, it's fine symbolically but we really need to have feasts and what if the world looked at us what if we led the way in celebrating uh the united nations it was a unanimous vote 192 countries several years ago appointed march 20th as the international day of happiness what if the church celebrated the international day of happiness by celebrating the good news of happiness that isaiah 52 7 talks about Hmm. Yes, more feasts in either case. Thank you, Randy. And uh, in our circles, we, we like to say that external circumstances of life do not determine our happiness. This is helpful for those who are suffering. And it's an important pushback to our world that says outward circumstances in life are essential for true happiness. That's just, it's false. But it also uh, seems disingenuous to say that outward circumstances play no role in God-glorifying happiness. So how do we talk about joy in God in God-glorifying circumstances in our lives? Well, I think, first of all, we see Paul rejoicing over circumstances. And uh, the the Greek verb kairo and the noun form kara that are translated rejoicing and joy uh, those words are associated with Paul when he finds out uh, that uh, Epaphroditus, who these people were very deeply concerned about, is it is better now, and he came close to death, but now we're rejoicing that uh, you know he's well. Well, that's a circumstance. That's a, a good friend was in trouble, and now he's okay, and you're rejoicing in that. And it, it's fine to rejoice in the circumstances. If you get a raise, great. Rejoice. Be happy. That's circumstantial, but at the same time, it's a blessing of God. Many of God's common graces are circumstantial. However, we cannot rest our ultimate joy and happiness upon the circumstances in our lives. And you, I remember as a young Christian when I was a, a teenager, reading, um, you know, Richard Wormbrand's Torture for Christ and Corey Ten Boom's Hiding Place and, and uh, Brother Andrew's God Smuggler and all of these great stories of people in huge tribulation. I mean, going through horrific things, yet in the midst of them, experiencing a transcendent joy, happiness, gladness, delight, pleasure in God. And I think one of the things that we need to do is to remind ourselves of our true circumstances. You know, usually when we think of circumstances, we're almost kind of dismissive about it. Well, there's, it's just like, okay, if things are, are going well. Well, Scripture says give thanks in all circumstances in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. And, and, and Paul says, I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. 
I, I know how to be brought low. I know how to bound in any and every circumstances. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. But I also think we need to focus on what I would call our true circumstances, which is there, you know, not all circumstances are visible. Um, we are created by a good and happy God. We're created in his image. He gave us the capacity to be happy. If you just took, just took Romans 8 alone, I mean, think of verse 1, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And, and verse 2, in Jesus I've been set free from sin and death, and God sent his son to save me. And verse 6, I can set my mind on the spirit, uh, and that's life and peace. And Verse 11, God's spirit indwells and empowers me. And uh, verse 15, God's adopted me, and, and I can call him Abba, Father. Uh, verse 16, I'm an heir of God, fellow heir with Christ. Verse 18, uh, the sufferings of this present time aren't worthy to be compared with the glory that's to be revealed in us. The creation will be uh, you know, delivered uh, to the freedom and glory of God's children. The world itself, the universe itself will be ultimately redeemed the redemption of our bodies the spirit prays for us in our weakness christ himself intercedes for us they indwell us we have uh, been called to a life in which god promises that he will cause all things to work together for our good we're more than conquerors through him who loved us uh, god who gave us his son how much more will he give us and then finally to top it all off nothing shall separate us from the love of Christ. Well, those are the true circumstances of the Christian life. Let's meditate on those circumstances which are a true ground for eternal and present happiness. Yes, what a magnificent chapter. Romans chapter 8, The True Circumstances of the Christian Life. Randy Elkhorn, thank you. We're talking about Randy's new book, Happiness, and uh, tomorrow we're going to end our week and I'll ask Randy about joy in heaven. Randy is the author of the best-selling book, Heaven, and now he's the author of a great new book titled Happiness. So what will our happiness look like in heaven? I'm your host, Tony Ranke. We'll find out tomorrow.